This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Basically. I am your host, Stephanie Preisner, and with me in studio today, I have someone who you'll all be familiar with if you are viewers of Virgin Media News or if you have ever graced Twitter. In studio, I have with me Richard Chambers. Richard, would you like to introduce yourself with your with your appropriate job title? Yeah, I'm I'm Richard Chambers. I'm news correspondent with Virgin Media, and I often grace Twitter. If gracing Twitter is what people do, no. I wouldn't use the word grace. No, we, I, <laughs> grace is very much in short supply on Twitter. I'd say sometimes I hate it. I I tweeted yesterday um, because I genuinely wanted an answer, but it seems like you can't ever be earnest anymore on Twitter. Like I wanted yeah. to know: is it better to get an electric car or to keep? driving the car that you currently have like which is the most eco-friendly thing to do keep no driving a diesel car or t- and they were like you know the answer to this you're just looking for likes I was like how am I looking no one's going to like this tweet Who cares? Like, I'm asking a question people are just cares. so horrendous anyway sorry you are a news correspondent yes and I am interested in what that even means because sometimes uh, my husband works in the Department of Health and sometimes when I'm picking him up from work I see you and your cameraman standing outside that big red flame outside Mission Plaza. Is that a flame? By the, is, it, is it? Well, is, uh, I thought it was mean, a drop of blood. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't know. It's been such a constant thing in my life for about two years now and I have no idea what it is. But a flame makes sense, I suppose. A flame or a drop of blood but I thought that might be too... On the nose. bit on the nose. Yeah. And is it the Department of Health that like, or was that there before I think the department? That was there, yeah. So it's Mesian Plaza. So I'd say that was probably in there by the people who own the building. I think. What does yeah. Mesian mean? I wonder is it like it's Latin a, for I, something? I did Google this because <laughs> as part of the process of writing a book about it, I was like, oh, Mesian Plaza. What does that mean? Uh, it's uh, named after the architect who has those style of buildings. Oh, so it's okay. Mesian is 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 in the style of that architect apparently. So yeah, Mesia definition of Mesia. Asiatic hill tilt. Okay, no, that's definitely not what it is. Anyway, so yeah, it's after your man. So I sometimes see you. So can you tell us about, first of all, how you got your job? What did you study? When did you decide you wanted it? What was the route? Yeah, um, I sort of had a kind of a probably a different way into journalism than a lot of people. Um, although there is a lot of people who ended up just ending up in journalism as well, like I did. So I left, left school. I kind of... Kind of knew I'd do okay, kind of well. And there was a kind of a pressure. It's like, oh, points race economy sort of thing. You got to do, you're going to get 500 odds, so you'll go do law. And I was like, okay, law sounds like that'll be, that'll be good to do. So I went and did that and I hated it. Um, I was in UCD and UCD is great and all, but I just had a terrible time. Didn't settle in at all. Hated very lengthy commutes and all that sort of stuff. So I needed probably about two, basically it's a three-year course. So I was probably in my last year and I was kind of like, okay, well, I'm not going to do anything with this because I hate it. So I might try and figure out what else I like. In but you life. stuck, like you stuck with the degree. Stuck with it, right? Oh, okay. I, I, yeah, I'm a big believer in finishing things that you sort of start. But I was sort of at that time. I was, um, what I do, what I do for fun while I'm here, not not going to class. So I ended up doing match reports for the university paper there. Um, As in writing up about what happens in sport. Yeah, so like there would be UCD rugby and like UCD soccer and stuff and just writing articles about sport because I was mad into sport and I still am. Sorry, the reason I'm laughing is because I have my push notifications on for your Twitter. Yeah, so whenever you tweet. <laughs> so sorry. And then like six o'clock comes and Bohemians start playing and yes. I'm just getting, but I know stuff about bowls now. Because oh my God. <laughs> I've, I've residually uh, uh, indoctrinated people with Bohemian FC. Yeah. yeah, because you tweet about sport as much as you tweet about health. But anyway, go on. But like, yeah, so I, I ended up started to do that and I really enjoyed writing I really enjoyed it and I was like okay maybe I could do this as a as a thing after after college so through that process of, of writing for the University Observer there I actually met Gav Riley also of Virgin Media and also of, of, of Twitter of course um, but like so we we both sort of had a, had a thing we actually had a podcast it was a very early podcast which we recorded on an upturned Mac with you know the little microphone which is at the bottom oh of the screen God, yes. so yeah it was mad that, that's how we started off so then I did um, uh, a master's degree in journalism in DCU uh, which was great I ended up really liking uh, broadcasting so I went into radio then so I started as an intern in Today FM um, and that was brilliant from there, I ended up in News Talk, which, of course, is in the same building um, as a news reporter, as a freelancer, and ended up sort of doing OK there. I worked on the different shows in News Talk, like the Pat Kenny show and News Talk Breakfast. And 
yeah, uh, eventually, after a few years there, Virgin Media had jobs going as a, as a reporter. And I was like, okay, time's right to try and do something new. So I was a TV reporter there. And then after a couple of years, yeah, you can sort of get the bump up then for to, to just do news correspondent, as they call it. And um, so some people are actually quite confused about the difference between... Yeah, so I, I remember when you and Zara King were... Is it promoted? Is that... Yeah, it would so be, it's yeah, promoted, yeah. 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 So you were a news correspondent... No, you were a news reporter. Yes. And then you became a news correspondent. Yes. What is... First of all, my first question is, is a news reporter in Virgin Media the same as a news reporter in uh, on radio? Yeah, like most, it's, the same. Most, it's most, you're mostly the same sort of job. Like there'll be different elements to it. Okay, so what is the job? So news correspondent versus a reporter. A, a news correspondent is somebody who you would have, it would be a slightly more senior level. So you would have a lot of sources. You do a lot more analysis as well as reporting. Okay. So like you will use your sources, whether they be, for example, if we're doing COVID, you use your sources in the Department of Health, the HSE and the government to paint a fuller picture and sort of analyse how things are going behind the scenes. Scenes, you'll bring in a little bit more commentary in terms of, well, what's the atmosphere like in the Department of Health about restrictions or where we are currently? So you have that little bit more uh, scope, I suppose, to paint a fuller picture of it. Um, so that's kind of what the main difference are. With reporting, it's a bit more sort of, um, it's a little bit more straightforward. Say what you see. Kind exactly, of. yeah. yeah. So it's um, more more all, all facts, details. Correspondent, it's the same as that, but you also get a little bit more, a little more paint on the brush, if you want to put it that way. And so when you're, uh, when you're a reporter mm-hmm. for Virgin Media, what does that look like? Does it look like you sitting at a computer reading Twitter, being like, ooh, this has happened. Do, do people come to you for news? Are you out snooping around the Department of Health and how do you decide because I know that like Gavin Riley is introduced as a political correspondent yes. so his brief is just politics whereas news is broader and can be anything yeah. anything and everything else so we have we have different correspondents so we'd have regional car, our sort of correspondents so we have our southern correspondent based in Cork Paul Byrne uh, we have our economics correspondent uh, that's Paul Colgan so we have a focus on that we have a crime correspondent uh, Sarah O'Connor politics as you say with Gav and then two news correspondents myself and Zara King who cover kind of everything else between those sort of stools so that mm-hmm. could be health for example as you've seen over the last year it could be you know, climate, for example, other different elements like that. Um, so your day is interesting. I'd start. It's it's actually so interesting because we completely changed our work because sort of, of practice COVID. because of COVID. So it would have started when I was um, a news reporter at the start of COVID. You would generally drive into Virgin Media's offices in Ballymount to start the day. There you'd sort of meet your news editor. You chat about what the stories are that we're going to be covering for the day. Then you'd pair up with your camera. Uh, operator, you jump in the car with them and they drive you into town and then you get around doing your stories or wherever else in the country you're going to do it. But that's kind of how it worked. Mm-hmm. With COVID, obviously you're a bit more... You Limited know, and exactly. restrictions. So you kind of just drive drive or go yourself straight from home. You'd meet your camera operator there. You'd just do all of your sort of your story selection and your sort of your chats with your editor over the phone or on text message beforehand. So that's kind of how it works. It's so like how networks. many stories would you be covering in a day? Generally, you're kind of on the one story for the day, although sometimes there has been days where you cover like four or five. Okay. Like you get moved on depending on what's happening. So if something's breaking, you might move from whatever story you were on onto that newer, bigger, more breaking story as well. So when you meet your editor in the morning, you go in and they say, OK, there's going to be a, there's going to be a Department of Health announcement, HC briefing today. Yeah. So we need you at that. Yes. So you and your cameraman, well, let's say now during the pandemic, they say that to you in a text message. You go to Mesian Plaza. You meet your camera person there. Yeah. And what time is that? So basically, our, we have we have three major bulletins across the day. Plus, then there's the Ireland AM bulletins in the morning, and there's the Tonight Show, of course, as well in the evening. So you have your twelve thirty news, your five thirty news, and your eight o'clock news. So if the Department of Health say Tony Hulan is doing a press briefing, it's generally on sometime late afternoon used to be on even later so it's probably like say four o'clock so you're still needed for the twelve thirty to do something so what you'll do then is you'll probably go to maybe the department of health or maybe the hse and you'll set up there for your life for twelve thirty, mm-hmm. and you'll give context to what's happening on the day in COVID. so whether that is the situation in hospital what the big talking points made whether like for example if it's about booster vaccines at the moment what the key concerns are so you'll talk to somebody else beforehand hopefully get them to appear 
on camera or do something on Zoom with you. So that could be um, a doctor or, or a frontline healthcare worker about what they're seeing. You could get an immunologist about the, the, the booster vaccines or somebody, an official from the HSE. So you're kind of, even before the briefing, you're doing the story. Right, so okay. you're doing it, you're trying to bring context to what's happening for the day for the 12.30. Then you'll go to the briefing, for example, sort of say at four o'clock, you'll have a few questions in your mind. Some people might have asked you on Twitter, oh, could you ask about this? We're, weddings. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stuff like yeah. weddings. It could be about restrictions or it could be like, oh, I've not got it. I've not been invited from my second vaccine, for example, or, or, or whatever. There might be some like issues which, mm-hmm. which might be highlighted by people on Twitter in terms of even accessing testing, for example. So you'll get a lot of feedback from different people or based on what your sources are telling you or what's, is what, what's important on delay. You'll have a list of things you want to ask Nefid or Tony Hulan or whoever. So you'll do that. You'll do, you, you walk up and you do the thing at the microphone. You ask all the questions. Everybody sort of has probably seen it by now, you know. Well, we don't usually see you. Yes, You exactly. just see the table. That's actually, yeah. And that's a good point because actually it's so interesting at different times over it. Like, people see this very pristine press conference. Yes. Sometimes, particularly on really tough days over it, there's been such a weird atmosphere, really sort of like, there's been a scared atmosphere sometimes in those briefings from the journalists. Like, I remember at the very start, when the briefings were only just getting started, there were sometimes like, you'd be waiting until like, eight or nine o'clock at night for the night for the briefing, briefing to start. And they wouldn't have told you when it's on. They're just still, they're waiting upstairs. They're going to, keep doing what they're doing there then they'll come down at some point and like you'd just be there shuffling and you'd be flicking on Twitter and you'd just be like there's be, there'd be this deathly, deathly silence. silence and then someone would cough those. and then yeah and then you're like oh my god this is horrific but like there was there was some real like I suppose people don't see that that we're sort of looking at it sometimes as humans yeah. and not just as journalists as well because we're like really worried about everything else that's happening so that's actually something that is interesting that, that you wouldn't probably see um, yeah, because we never the see camera. the other side. Like we never see it from Tony's perspective out. You know, it's just yes. always your your guys in. So then the briefing happens. Yep. So you have your five thirty news. So you'd be kind of hoping. I, that's what I always wonder. Are oh you always God. hoping that something has happened before the five thirty? And if they push it to six, you're goosed. Yeah, there's been so many times because sometimes because they they actually used to do the briefings and um, schedule them for five thirty. Yeah. So. That's that's good in a way because whatever's happening is probably happening while the bulletin's on so you can jump in and take some of the press conference live all of that sort of stuff but also it can be quite nerve-wracking because say you're covering the, the Department of Health briefing nothing really ever starts bang on 5.30 of course Yes. Okay. so you're standing there you might have seen this sometimes as well that you're standing outside the room in the corridor at the Department of Health and, and it's sort happening of, in the background or yeah or that they'll come down with the daily uh, figures and statistics oh, and, hand you them. and I hand you them and you sort of have to sort of digest them and try and put context on them on but you're the like I've seen that and, yeah and oh I'm, my god you're like I've just been handed the numbers here and I remember one time you were handed them or it could have been Zara and they were really high like yeah. it was like oh this is quite serious that's you happened know? a couple of times and I remember there's been a couple of times where I've been like like it's, it is so dif- difficult I have to say in th- these sort of situations where it is something which is so new like I've no background really in science or yes. in medicine. I know loads of healthcare workers for years, but I just don't have any expertise in that. And you're trying to sort of make sense of these really complex ideas sometimes like the R number and uh, the efficacy rate of different vaccines and the positivity rate of the virus. And it can be quite difficult, I suppose, to try and parse that and make that understandable for people at home as well, who are like me, for the most part, not trained not or trained qualified. It. Exactly. Sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is. And it's really important that everybody does understand it. So that's actually one of the big challenges of it is to try and make things make sense. It's like like what you've done on the podcast, what the podcast as well. Is doing. Yeah, is yeah, that yeah. You're able to sort of just strike here. Come on, this is important that we all know how this works. So let's try and make this as... And as a news reporter then, are you able to explain that or is it sort of in your remit like you have to get an expert to explain it because you're reporting it rather than... That's a good question, I suppose. As, 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 as time has gone on, you're able to make sense of it and explain it more off what you know from your sources. Whereas before, maybe at the start, you'd probably have to get somebody on microphone to say, oh, the positivity rate for the virus in the community is something like 8 or 9%. That's bad. And here's why. Now you have 19 months, say, of pandemic behind you. You'll be able to see if you saw that the positivity rate was 9%. You're like, okay, that's bad because of, as we've heard previously from people in the HSE, you know, you can bring that context of what we've all learned Mm -hmm. really over the last almost two years now. So that's, yeah, I suppose that's an interesting thing which has developed over time. So then you have your 5.30 and then 
would you still be there for your 8.30? Yeah, you'd be there for the 8 o'clock as well. So Sorry, 8 o'clock. Yeah, so you'd be there, you'd do the 5.30 and then you'd sort of have another chat with the, the 8 o'clock's uh, producer and you talk to them about, well, what are the key, what do we need people to know from this brief. health in the briefing? So we'll take probably maybe one or two clips um, maybe it's Tony Houlihan talking about the sort of the general big picture could be Philip Nolan talking about the modelling or it could be Killian de Gascoon on something like the variants and what's what, what new things are happening there so you kind of have to And do you decide that or does the producer? They would often be led they would mostly be led by what Because you've experienced it Yes exactly yeah. so you, you are in the room you know what's interesting important. what's important and you've covered it all so you know you have a sense of here, this is actually important that we need to put this here and this here and this here. But you'd have that conversation with them and if they'd say, well, would you explain this for us as well? So it's really sort of, it's a collaborative process where you're sort of having a conversation after the fact, but before the bulletin where you're sort of piecing out, okay, we need to get this across, get this across, get this across and then we'll bring in the figures at the end so we'll have that graphic up so we can show people. And, and that, on that then, how do you, who packages it up? So there's, what we see on screen, like how does that get made? So you'll have an, uh, there, there's an AP as they're called in the business who you'll send on the numbers to. So that will be your daily case count, um, deaths, hospitalizations, ICU. And they have obviously the chart from all the data which is published online. They can produce a graph of that. So you'll see. But this would be the same if you were covering um, like a, a murder investigation in yeah. Cork. Yes. I know there's a crime correspondent, but if you're, you're investigating something else. You send, and, and in order to get what we see on screen, you have to send it to an AP. Yes. Is it? What the does a- AP stand for? Uh, I think it's, is it associate producer? I think it's associate okay, producer. Yeah. Um, so like, yeah, so there, if you ever ever have anything you want on screen or if you have something recorded that you want to go on air. So say, for example, there's a crime in Cork and you've gone down in the guards of how the press briefing there, you'll say to them, OK, there was a press conference here outside uh, one of the guard stations uh, Detective Superintendent X said this so he said this between this time and this time can we get that clip and also they have a statement so maybe we want to get this graphic up so say the guards have a lengthy statement about who they're looking for in connection with this case Right. you'll say put this on screen it could be like a description of a car or something like yes, that okay. so you're basically working with them to do the visual element of the story which is really important So what I wonder is that like do you because you we see you where you're standing there with your microphone and then it'll cut away to a graphic. Do you know when it's going to cut away, when you're on camera? More often than not, because generally you'll have either had the conversation with them or they'll know. So say I que- I'd cue it. So basically, so so say it would go to a clip. So I'd say earlier on speaking, X person said this. Or if I'm doing the COVID-19 uh, update, I'll say however many cases were confirmed today. That's the cue for that to appear on screen. I'll say then something like uh, in terms of the situation in hospital, boom, they can click that, move on to ICU, click that. They know. So you basically work with them. They'll, they'll be able to identify what your cue is for that to pop up. And how screen. many minutes do you have? Do you know, is it different every day or? Yeah, it depends on what the story is. So obviously we have, so say for the 12.30 news, for example, you'd have different reporters, different correspondents covering different things. So everybody has a slot. So you're kind of safe. Say, for example, you might have a minute and a half or two minutes to do the whole story, which is actually quite a short space of time to do something yeah. which is quite complex. So like, that's why you have to prioritise things and sort of make things understandable. So yeah, sometimes you can have longer than that. So say, for example, um, if it was a restrictions announcement day, um, yes. you might have more time because you need to bring more context to it. Or you might be waiting for Michal Martin to do his speech at the podium. So you have to fill time. So you'll bring the context of this is what we're or would here's you bring what here's what we're expecting yes. yeah 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 so okay. you will have you'll have had conversations with people at cabinet advisors all that sort of stuff about what the concerns are and what way it, restrictions are likely to go or which way they are going because generally it's, it's all leaked all out leak. beforehand and exactly. we'll get to leaks yeah, in a minute yeah. so I often notice when I watch Ireland AM that the morning news report is recorded in darkness, basically recorded the night before yeah. at the briefing. Yeah. So how do you decide what gets in the morning? What 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 is broadcast in the morning and what happens if something breaks overnight? Yes, that's a good question actually as well. So ba- basically generally there has been, for the most part, between um, 
over the over the course of the pandemic, you would leave a um, video report of ET um, explaining what happened at the briefing last night and anything that's likely to come up over the course of the next day. So, for example, say you do the press briefing, you'd leave your report for the morning um, and you'd say, OK, well, here's what the main points of concern were. Here's what the, the public health message of the day is. Also today, the HSE is likely to start a campaign on X or uh, vaccinations are opening for this age group from today or the cabinet's meeting today. And here's what they're likely to discuss as well. So you're doing the bridge really from here's what happened last night to here's what's happening today. So you're filling yes, that sort okay. of gap across. It's a transition sort of report almost, you know. And if something breaks overnight, it just is reco- it's just covered by the news reader. Yeah, or you'll have um, you'll get called in to do it. So okay. say if something very very major happens and it changes what what might have been recorded over that time, well then you'll get called in and then you can just update effectively. Like so, say some if, if the context or something is completely has that ever changed, happened to you? That's happened a lot of times. Yeah, that's happened a lot of times. Think things do change, uh, especially in the last year or so that we've been through. Yeah, things can change really quickly. So where would you record that then? Because I'm always fascinated by how you choose. Obviously, mesium plasma makes sense because it's outside the Department of Health. Yep. But how do you choose? Where you're going to do the broadcast Yeah, from. It, it needs to make sense to the story. So say if it's about health, you'll do the Department of Health or the HSE, or you could do government buildings as well because it's all tied in together. Yeah, yeah. So you'll have your general points where it's safe and good to do your live piece or your um, piece to camera. Um, so you, you sort of pick them. It needs to make sense for the story. You need to be able to get there in time as well, I suppose, is mm-hmm. a key ingredient in that. And um, you need to know that it's a good and safe place to to broadcast from as well. Right, okay. as in people aren't going to... People aren't going to jump in or that like, you know, you can, there can be times as well when if you're reporting on a crime or something like that, or you're in a protest, a big crowd of people, you need to be, have a situational awareness. Every live point needs to be safe for the journalist and for the camera crew as well. You know, right, okay. you can't, you, it, it, it's not a good idea to take risks. And uh, obviously Virgin Media are very concerned about any sort of, difficult situation that people yes. can end up in. How annoying is it when someone comes up behind you and just wants their five minutes? You know, it's, it's often, very often teenagers or... Yeah, like it's understandable and it happens. But uh, like, I don't I don't particularly mind it if they're not wrecking things. Do you know what I mean? If yeah, they're not yeah, wrecking yeah. things, if they're not doing something particularly rude or offensive in the background, that's grand. Doesn't really make a difference. What has Would that ha- be up to your cameraman then? Because you can't see what they're doing behind you. It's, there's very little you can actually do as a cameraman though as well right, okay. because like I mean you can Can't pan just... a little bit and you can sort of nudge us over and we can try and pan again but they're just going to move around as well so yeah, okay. effectively sometimes what will happen is you just cut off you basically say okay we'll come back we'll try and come back to you in a few minutes so that's back Something's to the person in the studio exactly right, okay. the producer will make a call it's like okay we'll have to leave that because you need to as well have a, it's quality control really as well like there's no telling if there's people who are messing in the background there's no telling that something quite could bad could happen and you don't want that to happen obviously on live television you know and then just operationally how are you connected to Siobhan back, or whoever is yeah. back in studio you have an earpiece so it's called an IFB so you get your it's, it's basically like effectively it's like a set of AirPods or, or, or yeah. earbuds uh, you like go, go in through a little cable which goes into what is known as the live view now this I love this because I like everybody sort of thinks of TV cameras and live crews as ever like satellite van and all this sort of stuff there's a brilliant piece of technology now called the Live View, which has changed all of that. Live as in live and then Live v. and then the letter U, yeah. Oh, Live View. Live okay. View. So it's effectively a little box. It's like a little computer and it has a stack of SIM cards in it, which are all like 4G and 5G. And that boosts everything live, sends that back via cell through to studio. So it's completely like... It's much more cost effective than satellite. Um, it's really it's portable. Wireless. It's a ba- it, it Effectively, it, sit, it sits in a backpack. Like we right, carry okay. it around in a backpack and we it's can so walk funny. around with it as well. So if we're doing live reports, if we're doing like a protest march, we can march along with them, do that. Or if we're on, I remember Gav once did a live on a boat, uh, which is moving around. I can't remember what the point of it was, but it was great. Um, so like you have that portability as well, which is unbelievable. And do you just need to have that or the cameraman is also the camera, connected the, ca- the camera operator will have that um, and bring that everywhere with them. But like, obviously, if we're looking... And is that little thing in your ear, does it have a... What's it con- it's connected to... It's connected to basically an audio cable which goes into that. Which will be in your, like, strapped to your back, your belt? It's... um Or in your breast pocket? Sometimes if you... Yeah, you can get wireless ones. So basically it goes into your belt 
Otherwise, it goes in a cable, which goes along just in, directly into the live view itself. Which will be attached to the cameraman. Exactly, oh, yeah. Yes. So that goes straight into there and then you can hear uh, whoever the anchor is. So that could be Colette Fitzpatrick, for example, on the 5.30. Mm-hmm. You'll also hear um, the gallery. So that is the sound guys, uh, the director, um, the producer, the AP. They can all chime in there as well. So they'll check how long it is to you and when you're on camera. Uh, they'll check if there's any graphics. They'll have those conversations with you beforehand. You'll also be able to speak to Colette before you go on air live just so you can have that conversation and say, so what are you bringing us? And just to check the connections and all that sort okay. of stuff. But so, then, if you have, so if you're on at the 5.30 news, mm-hmm. what time are you connecting to the studio and going through all that? Generally, you want to get up beforehand so you can get up sort of maybe 5.20 maybe. Mm-hmm. Get up 5.20 so they can do it. Sort of, they'll do a check around all the different live elements. So they'll go to, say, myself. They'll go to Zara and Gav and or everybody else. In but that. Would, you, would you all be working on the same day? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, generally we all we all are working on the same day. We just have oh, yeah. different stories. So, like, okay. say, so say for example, I was doing a live at the Department of Health. So they'll check in with me. Gav will be at government buildings. They'll check in with him. Zara could be at HSE or something like that. And oh, we'll right, have, okay. So, so you're all kind of covering the same story, maybe, but from different angles. That's the thing with COVID is that you've like there's so many different angles which need to be covered on it. Yes, Do you know okay, what I mean. Yeah. So that's kind of how it works. So yeah, they'll check in to make sure everybody's connection is good. Um, like for example, like it was mental during the um, the general election last February and and and, and all that sort of stuff because we would be, we'd be all in just different places every day. I remember there was one time I was in um, I think it was in Charleville, and um, we just had like just mad interruptions and stuff like that. Like and you're just like you have to you have to sort of like that's one of the reasons for the check in as well is that you're able to sort of assess the the environment you're in that you're in to make sure yeah. it's all okay and this is a safe place to broadcast from and all that sort of stuff and it was just like there was a guy who was very annoyed who thought that we were parked in a bus lane even though the the, the guards had said no no you're not alright that's not, not what that is but he was very annoyed and he, so in that case do you not broadcast then because you can't you just have to pull out of it yeah yeah you do yeah, yeah. But and like, then is it up to like Zara and Gavin and the others to yes, fill the time you'll move on yeah so you might be able to if it if, if it's a temporary thing they might be able to come back to you yeah otherwise you'll have to make up that time with other stuff with so other whether stuff. that's other material from your different correspondents or reporters or it could be there might be some other stories which might have been dropped earlier on like international news or news and briefs as they're called right, so okay. like short stories is just sort of like a couple of pictures and Colette will read a script to them so they always have something like that lined up you, in case something goes have, down yeah same with anything on, on TV and radio you need backup because things will definitely go wrong yes things can go wrong yeah I want to give you a quick note from our sponsors and before I do that to remind you that if you support our sponsors who support us that is how the circle of podcasting keeps going. So our sponsor today is Rockwell and their financial planning service it's designed for people who they just kind of feel like they want to just put a shape on their finances get things in order and that is from whether you are a senior executive in some multinational company or a young couple or a business owner anyone who just wants to get a head start on their financial planning they're here to help they sort of consider themselves financial doers rather than financial planners there's a lot of action in there and a lot of support so no matter where you are in the country it doesn't matter they can help you over zoom or in person Uh, pensions and investments they're huge you know they're hugely important but they're useless really if you don't know why you're using them where they are and how how they're getting on so Rockwell are really about outcomes in business. It's not just about the plan. It's it's action-based. So they use like award-winning investment advice to help their clients achieve their goals. And they have a special offer for basically listeners. So if you go to rockwellfinancial.ie forward slash Stephanie, you can book a complimentary, which means free, financial planning session today. And you'll get a cash flow model which will outline any gaps in your finances and give you your first steps towards achieving specific goals for you. Guys, I have something so exciting to tell you. Guess what it is. Listen to these sounds. These are the clues. I have merch. I have merch. I have a pen, which sounds like this. And I have a notebook, which sounds like this. What they look like are a notebook and a pen. The pen is sort of bamboo and they both say basically with Stephanie Preisner on them. Actually, the pen just says basically. And they are on sale now and you should buy them. The pen costs five euro. The notebook costs 15 euro. You can buy them together. That would cost 20 euro. But if you are a Headstuff Plus member which costs €5 a month, you get the pen 
for free when you buy the notebook. Anyway, I know you're so excited. Just stop listening and go on to shop.headstuff.org and buy the merch. Send me pictures of you and the merch on my Instagram, which is at Stephanie Preisner. I'm so excited. It's a beautiful notebook. It, it's black and it has a little, little thing so that it stays closed and the pen is like clicky and smooth and it's blue when you write with it. That's important to know. And it's five euro and the notebook is 15 euro. And I'm very excited about the merch. Go buy the merch. I'm taking a break from my podcast to now tell you about the most bizarre podcast I've ever listened to, but curiously hilarious. You all know Michael Flatley, the Lord of the Dance star. Well, apparently he wrote a movie ages ago called Blackbird, right? Which is sort of like a James Bond theme thing where he himself stars and it goes around sleeping with loads of women. Anyway, no one's ever seen it because it never got released, right? But he wrote it and made it. And this comedy group called the Bootsy Boys are remaking it in podcast form. So if you look up the Bootsy Boys Blackbird podcast, they are in sort of short episodes going through this movie, what they think the movie is. And it's it's really short. It's like a burst, an injection of energy and hilarity into your day because it's so bizarre. Just check it out. First episode, they're very short. You'll know from the minute that you're in whether you like it or not. And I think it's strangely addictive. Check it out. The Bootsy Boys Blackbird podcast. Tell me, are you still looking for something worth dying for? Oh, kid. I left all that behind me. These days, I'm much happier as the humble owner of this down-to-earth and incredibly exclusive nightclub. Mick turns his head away and stares pensively. Dancing hot sex man, adventure romance. He will kick several Nazis and get in your pants. Listen to the Bootsy Boys Blackbird on the Headstuff Podcast Network. While I have you here, and I have your captive attention, I want to let you know that if you are a basically supporter, if you are a Headstuff Plus member, I have an opportunity for you. So from now on, I want to change how my show was introduced. Usually I say, hello and welcome to Basically. I'm your host, Stephanie Preisner, and today in studio I have, you know that bit, you've heard it all. From now on... I want a different podcast supporter to introduce my show because I really am grateful to the people who support the podcast. They mean that, you know, their five euro a month means that I can have a producer working full time on the show. And it's just, I really, really am grateful. So I'm going to give you an address and I want you to send a voice note that says, Hi, my name is... Mary and I'm a Headstuff supporter and the reason I like what listening to the show is because blah 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 you are listening to basically and then I'll come in so what I want you to do is send your voice note to www.speakpipe.com forward slash basically that's speak s-p-e-a-k pipe p-i-p-e dot com forward slash basically and when you go to that site what comes up basically is this uh, this big button that says start recording and you just record directly into that and then it gets sent to us and then you will be introducing the show. Thank you so much for your support. And so you have, so what time would you start in the day and what time would you finish and does that depend on, like you don't obviously have like a set hours because if the briefing goes on or if something happens yeah you like it it's it, it kind of really depends and that's kind of one of the things as well with correspondence as well is that you're just kind of you kind of just work to whatever you know exactly, exactly yeah yeah so like I'll get in I'll get in touch off with my editor whenever I'm up in the morning like so it could be like seven o'clock and I'll ring in and sort of say hey here's what I think is happening today and they'll have they'll have their own ideas as well and they'll sort of powwow it and then like sometimes if something big has happened oh can you stay on and do something for the Tonight Show for example so like you kind of you, you, it, it can roll on it's just, it's just the nature of the emergency as it was that you're kind of some days can go on for So if it wasn't 12, 14, COVID would they be asking you to stay on for the Tonight Show just It depends on what it was if there was a big political story or something that I was covering or there was a major event or something like right, a big okay. protest and you were covering it they might ask oh will you come on and just because you were covering it for the day would you go on and give us a bit of context and, and how it all went a bit of bit of detail so yeah that's kind of how it works and I, I've often seen Zara King um, going live on Instagram from her car is there a lot of time like what do you do between that's it like between 12.30 5.30 yeah. 8 o'clock the car has become the office almost like but would you before Covid had gone back to base yeah probably yeah right, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah you probably would or you'd just be like because actually like the car became much more of a thing when everything was closed 
So like when coffee shops were closed or you couldn't go into a hotel and sit down or you couldn't go into a cafe or Starbucks or something like that. Because what are you doing in between? Are you typing stuff up? Typing stuff up, you're you're contacting sources. So you're ringing people constantly. You're also chatting with the base and sort of seeing if anything else is happening, if there's anything we need, if anything new needs, needs looking at. So yeah, like in fairness, I have probably spent way too many hours sat in my car yeah. parked around Dublin or around wherever else because you kind of have to it's a good safe space um, you're you're able to sort of contact people you're sitting there in the laptop or on your phone and you're doing whatever and it just has it just kind of has become sort of, your, sort of your, your office So your relationship with your cameraman can often be the only person that you're kind of seeing yeah. in person Gen- and gen- generally that, that was even more so even probably before COVID that you the only like you wouldn't you wouldn't see much of say Zara or Gavin when you're on work days because they're off doing other they're things. off doing their other things as well so you're kind of it's yourself and your camera person are your main that's that that's your buddy for the day basically yeah so that's kind of how you're having the most contact with by the different editors over the phone or the different producers for, for each of the bulletins in the last couple of weeks I've been following this crime story that's been breaking in the US and I've become a little bit of a web sleuth um the case is insignificant but I've noticed the. It's the first time that I've really noticed um, how. I always kind of thought that news correspondents are all just reporting the news, but actually, it became very clear to me about how each news reporter is sort of hunting for sources for information, and they want to be the one to break the story yes. rather than you just reporting what somebody else has already reported. Exactly. So it's a, so this guy that I was following, Brian Enton, and his cameraman, Luis, he was, you know, trying to get in touch with the lawyer for the parents of the person who was accused and trying to, you know, really almost like a detective, not just reporting the news. Talk to me about how you get sources and how, how that separates, you know, good news correspondents or journalists from bad. That's a, that's a, good, that's a great question. Or competent rather than bad. Y- yeah, yeah, no, it's... um. It's you are only as good as having reliable sources like you can't you're not like I mean there's no there's no there's nothing you're bringing to the table if you don't have good sourcing on anything like it it, it may as well just be like she made it up or whatever do you know but what I mean? Is that part of it like that you're only as good as the information you're not I guess that's it you're not reporting the news anymore you kind of also have to find the news. Yes exactly yeah yeah you have to dig it's non-stop Digg- digging is most of the day Mo- the, the bit that you see at the end of the day in the bulletins so that's only as I say you could be on air for two minutes or you could be on air for two minutes and all that. you could do your whole bulletins for the day and be on like you're on camera for less than 10 minutes yes, for okay. the entire day for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours you're texting you are using Signal all those sort of apps um, and you're ringing Signal? Signal is more it's more of um, it's more of a protected version of, of WhatsApp so it's more um, encrypted the encryption's better um, you can also set like uh, deletion time on messages, etc., etc., etc. They feel safer texting you, perhaps. Some of them do anyway on that. Although WhatsApp is still not by far the number one, I think, to be honest. And how do you, like, do you go, do you have sources within government, within cabinet that yeah. are only yours, that like they will tell you rather than Gavin or Paul Hosford or someone from RTE or... Well, see, the thing about it is, is that the, the nature of sources is that they're anonymous. So like you'd have, like, so basically I might report on the news of 5.36 saying cabinet sources have said that. So that could be two different ministers that I've spoken to or three different ministers or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, but is so, that you going to them being like, can you tell me anything? Or do yes. they volunteer this information? Sometimes they do that. Sometimes they do that. Sometimes, for example, there was one day, do you remember, um, it was the last, last summer kind of, and it was the announcement about um, there was a local lockdown in Kildare, Leash and Offaly. Oh, yes. So that was sent to me by a cabinet minister um, while the meeting was happening on oh, WhatsApp right, okay. in full details. And I was able then to go, OK, well, that's one source. Generally, you'd need multiple sources. Otherwise, it's, it's, kind it's to prevent, you know, yourself being steered, given a bum steer, as they're called. Basically, you're given an inf- some information that's either wrong whether that's intentionally wrong or otherwise you need to verify these things you know so you have to try and use multiple sources to say if, if they have corroborative stories okay. about what's happening so say someone in cabinet let's call him let's call her Louisa because yep. there's no one at cabinet called Louisa Louisa texts you and she says Claire Leash and Offley are going into lockdown yeah here's how this is going to work etc etc et so she tells you how it's going to work yeah so then 
do you go to someone else at cabinet and go, hey, Louisa said this? That's exactly. Well, no, no, but, you wouldn't. No, that's the, that's the key thing. Yes. There. Okay. So you say someone else at cabinet yes. has told me this. Or I'd say, hi, I've just heard that um, there's a there's a three county lockdown. Uh, and here's our, some, here's some of the details on it. Am I right in saying this? Or okay. what can you tell me about this? So if you say, am I right? You're allowing the person just to say yes or no. Yeah, which is always... Their preference. I mean, it, it generally, it can be. Uh, and also it's just kind of easy, I suppose, if they're in a cabinet meeting. Just it's to just go... Like, yes. Yes. <laughs> and so, but they're sitting there in a cabinet meeting being like, which one of you has been texting? And I've heard as well then, sometimes at the cabinet meetings, the Taoiseach is like, everyone put your phones away. Like, put your phones in this basket. Completely. Because there's been a big issue with, with cabinet leaking at the, uh, recently. Sorry, for those of you listening, cabinet, um, I, I've explained this before, but you might not have heard it. Cabinet are the group of ministers that make the decisions, that basically sit with the Taoiseach and make the decision. So not all ministers are cabinet ministers, but all of cabinet are ministers. Or exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. And so there has been an issue with leaking recently and sort of if you, if you talk to some ministers, they'd say this is what's, what happens in a coalition where initially as well, there wasn't a huge amount of trust between the different parties who were involved in it. It seemed like quite a competitive sort of environment. So again, for those of you listening, cabinet is made up of the government parties, which is Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael and the Greens, Green Party. Yeah. So there'll be ministers from all of those parties in there. Exactly. And there wasn't a lot of trust at the start back in last February when the government, well, actually didn't start till April. in the summer, yeah, yeah. It was June, wasn't oh, it? Was it was June, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. If I'm wrong, that'd be terrible, wouldn't it? Um, but yeah, so there, there, there's the Green Party people in Cabinet in particular have been very surprised by the amount of leaking that has happened. Because why? Because do they think that it undermines the strength of government that stuff gets out before a government announcement? Sometimes that that's that's definitely a big consideration for them. But also they felt at times that stuff has been leaked from Cabinet um, which has basically forced them into taking a decision. So, for example, there was a decision, do you remember, um, to change the vaccine rollout and making it an age-based model that it would be... Rather pr- than, pure, yeah, than it than was guards. healthcare and then guards and teachers. Exactly. When they changed that, that was leaked before the, the decision was taken. Okay? Okay. So it was only just about to be discussed and it was already leaked to journalists. And we so were. So, what was leaked to journalists? We are about to discuss this, this or go- this decision has been made? This is happening. The cabinet is likely to make a decision on this. Okay. And once that's out there, and that provoked a serious reaction. A, a good reaction? People wanted it that I way. I think, well, people were confused. People wanted to, to, to know why they were doing this. Like, it was then eventually explained as this is better from health reasons to go down just purely by age. This also is the main. Admin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it was more straightforward. So people came around to it then. But at the time, people were like, this, f- for, for a lot of healthcare workers or for teachers and guards, actually, in particular, because the healthcare workers were mostly done at this point, they felt that this was a betrayal. They were told that they were, like, they're out there, they're meeting people, they're on the front line. So the Green Party thought that by leaking that, it forced what? It forced their hand that this was a decision that they had to take. Well, they can't, this is such a big decision. But sure, weren't they still in the meeting? Yeah, but this is what they felt. They felt that they were being, what's it's what's called a bounce, basically. That they were being bounced into it. That by the details being out there. But how long is cabinet? I mean, a cabinet meeting? Oh, so they can go on for... They can go on so for what, hours how do they know the response? Twitter? But yeah, effectively, yeah. Because the people were getting notifications. It was actually flashed by a number of different publications. Right, on okay, okay, okay. The Independent or the Times or whatever paper. So and is, is the Taoiseach not sitting there being like, ah, for God's sake, lads, this is now oh, pinged on my is. phone. Often like, who, who, which one of you was it? And then they're looking for Judas around the table. Exactly. And it's like, well, it's not me. It's not me. It's not me. It's not me. Do you know okay. what I mean? So like, that's, that's a thing. That has been a thing. Like, that's just one example where there's been a feeling around Was cabinet. that leaked to you? Yeah, I had that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so is it like your, it's obviously huge for you to protect those, like to never say who they are because then they're not going to trust you again, right? Exactly, because you need to, and like, it's not just about that individual source, for example. But if you're burning, as it were, your sources and you're saying, well, this person told me, well, then why would anybody else ever trust you as well with information? Because people see the value, people, whether they be in government or it could be in HSE or whatever, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. They see the value in getting good information out there. That They want people to understand what's happening. But what is the value? Because the devil's advocate in me is saying we shouldn't be leaking things until they are decided. Because 
my, when I was covering things on Instagram, the worst part was the days and days of speculation of he said this, she said this, this might happen. They said this. And very often there were leaks that didn't come that didn't to fruition. Yeah, yeah. And then that, you know, that undermines that undermines the people who have reported that this is going to be the case and, you know, foments distrust. Is there an argument to be said that leaks are not... When it comes to this sort of thing, obviously leaks when when it's a whistleblower or when yes, yeah. those sort of things are really important. But when it's this sort of crucial decision-making process, are leaks useful? Yeah, I can see the argument. I can definitely see the argument. Um, it's more the case, like, leaks are such an important lifeblood in democracy because... How do we know what the what, how do we know what the government's talking about? Otherwise, it's a it's a question of transparency. Um, obviously, sometimes when when you're getting this information while they're in the process of a decision being made, it might turn out not to be the case. Right, they might okay. take a different turn. But it's it's important, I suppose, it adds context to the conversation as well that the public understands. Well, what's the government thinking? Like yeah. if people are running sort of businesses which might close, it's kind of good for them to be able to know. Although it has been frustrating that stuff has leaked out to them before they're spoken to themselves. Um, it's important, it's good for them to know while well, the government might uh, close like hairdressers or something like that. Do you know what I mean? So it's important, I think. Does it feel amazing? Like when you get a leak, when something comes into your phone that you're like, oh my God, this is so exciting. Um, is there a thrill in it? Like, Do you know, it, it depends on the story. Sometimes it's when it's stuff that's super important, you don't really have a time to do that. Right, you kind okay. of just start like, okay, this is important. I need to get this verified. And but like, do you ever get leaks that sort of come out of nowhere? So like you're sitting here now yeah. and there's nothing in your head yeah. and then someone yes. will text your phone and be like this thing is happening I have in something. Belfast I yeah. have something huge that you've never heard of yeah. before or say the Taoiseach is going to announce this uh, later on blah 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 it's like oh crap this is this is this is a big deal this is huge uh, I better go and try and verify this as soon as possible okay so yes then the process is exactly because it. it's always about verification like you, you do need and what if you can't verify it well then it's not a story that's the thing like there's been so many things which have been you know, which 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 I've known about, but can't oh, prove. Oh, you can't prove. Therefore, you can't report. Therefore, you can't report. So there's been some stuff which 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 like um, might have happened over the last year. And could you in that place text Zara and be like, "Have you heard?" Text Zara and Gavin and be like, "Has anyone said this to you?" Yeah, you might collaborate. You might collaborate. Okay. So you might pair up and sort of say, "Say it's myself and Zara and Gav." For example, you might say, "Here, I'm hearing from inside and cabinet." For example, that there might be doing this. Have you heard anything? You might heard anything. And so, say Zara comes back and it's like, "Actually, yeah, I heard this." Yeah. Whose story is it then? Well, then I suppose it's, it depends. It, it 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 depends on who's actually like covering the issue for the day. But like generally, it'd just be like a. So we just see it as a collaboration, right? Fair. Like you, you, you generally wouldn't be uh, be super competitive with the people you're working with on your team in in Virgin, for example. You just right, wouldn't okay. be like you're trying to get like it's 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 too important to be sort of you know uh, competitive with each other when you're all pulling in the same direction, and it's important that we get the right information out there. So you'd kind of just be like, okay, let's try and get this. Let's stand it up, is what we call it. That you have to stand up a story is what you do. So that's if you if something's going to air, you have to stand it up. So that is getting it verified by multiple sources uh, and just making sure that it's a okay and it's good for you know. And to I be think digested. that's the key issue. That's the key difference between mainstream media and social media yes. which is like if you hear it on the news it is it has been stood up it yeah. is and sometimes of course as you say it might not be the case that or things change. can change yeah yes, things can change but I think Gavin said something interesting once which was that just because you're now hearing something that is different to what you heard last Thursday does not mean that we lied to you last Thursday that exactly. was correct as of last Thursday but these things are changing yeah. and when you're talking about politics and a health and a moving health crisis you know, it's completely... Yeah, and but like, I mean, this is the thing is that people didn't, like people around cabinet, people in public health didn't expect us to be in this position now yes, where we'd okay. have to keep some things in terms of restrictions going. I remember speaking to people in public health. It, like people will remember even Philip Nolan was on um, RT radio and he's like, yep, yeah, we're suppressing the virus and we're A-OK and everything looks like we're going to be steaming on through October 22nd and uh, that'll be the end of those restrictions. Everybody thought that. Yeah. But there was like there was a scepticism from some people and then things obviously took a bad turn. But like just because we said the restrictions are likely now to be eased on October 22nd and then not all of them were. They weren't lying. Isn't because they were lying or misleading. It's because stuff has changed in the interim. Everything has completely changed in the interim. Yeah. So what is the next step then for 
a news correspondent? Like, what's your next, prom- what's the next possible promotion? Are you trying to get a specific brief so that you would be, you know, like Gavin, is it just political that you'd want to just be health or just be something? Not really. I, I, don't, I don't really think of it in, that, in those terms. Like, I am always, like, I always consider myself a news journalist and I like the flexibility of that. That you could, okay. I could, I could be covering politics one day, or I can be covering health stuff, or crime and all that sort of stuff. I like that flexibility. Um, and is it you who decides, like, when you go out, if you're not working today, are you hunting for like, what's news? You know, yeah, what effectively, is, what like, is yeah, there? yeah, yeah, yeah. You totally are. Like, you always have to keep your eyes open. Because I have some people who I write for the Sunday Independent, but I write a column, so yeah. I'm not a journalist. I'm a columnist, and I have people coming to me being like, I have a story for you, and I often like here's Richard Chambers Twitter here's Sarah King go to them I don't write about the news like I don't write breaking stories about other people a lot of that was around maternity care so I would send them to Zara she was doing a lot on that it was great of course Um, but how do you find new stories yeah that's that that sort of stuff over the last couple of years has been really important I think um, you've gotten often a lot of doctors or healthcare workers will say oh we're closing wards for example here the situation is so bad we're overrun effectively mm-hmm. with, with COVID so we'll have to do that. So people will message you and I think that's one thing we've been very lucky with I suppose over COVID is that people have come to us um, with stories they found us approachable they think that we're just you know normal people like right. them uh, and they want people to know what's happening. Um, so that's been a sort of a key ingredient is that people would message you on Twitter or on Instagram um, or they'd find your email address and they'd send on details and documents and stuff like that. Um, so that's really how it happens sometimes and sometimes you'll just sort of you can do other things which are like freedom of information requests FOIs FOIs yeah. as you, you maybe maybe you come across these like your listeners have come across these it's, it's a hell of a journey so basically you'll come up with an idea or you make a tipped off you should FOI freedom of information request any correspondence between X minister and Y minister or X minister and Y company or something like that if you think that there's a story there so like you might like freedom of information request say there is um this is a completely fictionalized thing because this isn't happening so say like there was a wind farm being planned in uh Donegal and there was the minister for the environment or housing or whatever like was you were trying to see if there's any contact between the people building that and the minister if there's anything newsworthy or interesting that might happen in that situation so would that be up to you like do you often just wonder mm, I wonder what I could FOI here because yes. I know Ken Fox is journalist yeah. and he is the king of the FOI uh, that is exactly how I describe him yeah yeah he is always the FOI. FOIing like can I get the freedom of information all emails and texts between this person and this person Yes. And then wait for them to come back. Exactly. Um, it's, it's, you, it, you have to take the initiative on it. You do. It's like it, it, it could be a hunch. Uh, it could be what you might describe as a fishing exercise that you're just saying. And if you, what the, what's do you ever there? read an article or like read a news story and then think, oh, I can see a connection here that hasn't been picked up. Now I'm going to FOI. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. then run with somebody else's story for example that one between Catherine's opponent the Marion Gate the party in Marion mm-hmm. that story seemed to develop and evolve with new information over a number of weeks and I was wondering did they have all that information at the start and then decide we're going to drip feed this or did one bit of information lead to a journalist going now I'm going to FOI yeah. text messages between these people that's what I understand happened yeah that okay. it would have been it, it, it wouldn't have been all the information was there and then we're like oh, we'll give you a bit of this and we'll give you a bit of that the next day um, it's kind of develops day by day you'll get more information more people who might have attended say the Marion Gate will come forward and they'll say oh this person was there and this happened and oh, yeah. this person asked about this and whether this was okay because I'm always stuff. fascinated by some stories that are like one Sunday and then it's dead Yeah, and then other so- stories that run and run and run and I can't t- like there's there might be the same human interest components where it's equal. There's nothing more salacious or ridiculous about it. But some stories just have legs. Yeah, some people, some th- some things gather momentum that they might. And like it, it is. It's so interesting that things like things like Golfgate, for example, just come up and then they just like they Wipe pick up momentum and yeah, and they just. But like it's more and more information. It's like okay, well, Phil Hogan was there as well. And um, they were all there and this happened. And then there was different information about where Phil Hogan also was around the country and stuff like that. Because you see ministers hoping that a story just dies. Yes. Because if it dies, someone doesn't have to quit their job. But very often, if a story keeps on going and keeps on going, it's like, look, we have to let someone go here because otherwise... This is a distraction from the work of government. government. And like that, 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 for example, like you'll, you'll hear that phrase used by a Taoiseach 
if they're sacking a minister. It's like, well, this has become a distraction from uh, the work of the important work that we're doing around government or it's uh, damaging to the reputation of the government. Like they might get, say, a bad opinion poll off the back of it. So say there's a scandal involving a minister um, and, and the government parties drop like 10 points in the next poll. Well, then at that point, it's like, okay, the public aren't happy with how we've dealt with this. We need our head to roll. Maybe we it's time we need to reflect on this and say maybe ex-minister who did wrong needs to go. So just to finish up, you were at the cold face and very cold sometimes <laughs> of COVID from the very beginning and you've written a book about it. I have, yeah. So it was approached um, earlier on this year um, by HarperCollins publishers and they were like, do you want to write a book? And I thought, well, what would what we what will we do? And I was kind of we wanted to do a full account of um, however many the first eighteen months of the pandemic in this country. And I was lucky enough because, as we said, being a news correspondent, you're kind of between different stools. So you have a bit of politics. You'll have the frontline workers. You'll have personal stories and health sources, HSE and Neffet. So being able to bring all of those different sources together to paint a very full picture of the different things that happened over the past eighteen months. Well, then it was I was in a good position to do that. I was really struck by how juicy, like yeah. how much information of like the tone and the not the backstabbing, but sort of like you really go in depth about how this person feels about this person and who said what. Did the people who did they know you were writing the book and were they okay yes. with you? You because you do you 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 always like you don't want to stitch people up. Yes. So you say to them, "Hi, how's it going? I'm working on a book about." Or in the pandemic, um, it's coming out in October. I'd wonder if you'd sit down and do an interview with it, and they'd be like, "Oh, absolutely, yeah." Because there's very, very few people now who refuse to do an interview for it as well. Yeah. So that's good. So you know that you have a very full picture of it. Um. So yeah, I think what I, I was interested because I think if you did the book, say two years after COVID was finished, you'd have a very different reflection from the keys people involved about the it people. It does they were feel called. very fresh. Yes. Like it feels but but not fresh. I was sort of thinking like, oh God, do I really want to read a book about COVID? I've just been through it and I'm still going through it. But actually there was part of me reading going, God, that's not my experience you know, like a really juicy behind the scenes look at what was going on during the pandemic because I was having a totally different experience mm. just watching 10 minute clips on the news now cover obviously I was covering the facts and whatever but for anyone listening who's thinking God I don't want to read a book about the pandemic I've just lived through it you do actually it's quite fascinating Yeah I think that like that's, that's that was key to it because like these people are still in their positions Yeah so your CMO is still your CMO, your head of the HSE is still your head of the HSE, the health minister is still the health minister. You're capturing them and the dynamics of their relationship, which are very important now as we go forward because we're still not done. And you can see that all is not well all of the time yes. and very infrequently or very frequently, I should say, it's pretty desperate. Yeah. And I think now I'm watching it, having read the book, I'm and I'm not finished yet. I'm looking at, you know, Neffet and the and Nyack and government and looking at the tensions between those with a whole new lens. Yeah. That's good. but that that's I think that's 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 really I'm delighted to hear that because that's kind of what I wanted to do. Yeah. You kind of wanted to desanitize and lift crack open the can or lift the lid on how the decisions were made and how the who the humans are really behind this. Yeah. These decisions which have governed every single bit of our lives for the last 2 years. Who are the people who made them? How was it? How did they arrive at these decisions? Because this is important as well when we move on from the pandemic as well. Like, how do we reflect on what happened and whether the right things were done? That yeah. we need to have a sort of a look at how we arrived at these decisions. And, and were mistakes made. Yeah, were mistakes made. So I think that it's important to sort of start the conversation on that. And as I sort of say, like, you're dead right to sort of think, well, am I ready to read a book about COVID in Ireland when we're still in the middle of it? Yeah. I think it was the time to do it. If like, as I say, you might go two years down the line and everybody was like, ah, oh, were they really that bad? Did I really have a hard time with X minister or Y person around, you know, or any tensions between Neff and the HSE? No, it'll, they're very it, honest. Yeah. Because like you can tend to sugarcoat it and once you're out of the situation, you can tend to be like, ah, no, they weren't that bad. But you do get the sense that these are ongoing frustrations. Like this is still Very real. an issue for some people. Because I think for some people, pe some people mightn't have realised that there has been ongoing and really deep 
frustration, tensions between Neffet and the HSE, for example. Yeah. That there's that idea that they were in competition rather than collaboration. That like you might have seen that it might have started off at the start of the pandemic where there was a big public row between Tony Hulhan and Paul Reed at the HSE yes. over testing. But that continued all the way through it. There was like people in Neffet who felt that the HSE had gotten the pandemic Totally wrong, wrong that they were focusing on you know morgues and getting military uniforms and stuff like that big picture stuff as a, and field hospitals as opposed to doing the basics like we get more testing here we'll 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 give more authority and autonomy to our regional public health and ultimately whose stuff. decisions like who make who tells the HSE what to do well, basically, a lot of it will be set by the Minister for Health and the government and then by Neffet as well. So Neffet will and Neffet has people on the HSE or from the HSE on it as well. So they have input. Okay. But there has been a frustration there from the HSE that they've been told to do things that they'll have to be held, they'll be held accountable for if they don't do them. Yeah. So say, for example, testing or delivering extra beds or something like that, that NEF will say, okay, we're in agreement, the HSE is going to do this. And the HSE has at times uh, gone, what? What? How are we going to do this? You've, you've set us an impossible job here. And that has boiled over at times and there has been deep, deep, deep anger, frustration, hurt at times. I think it's important that people see that because I think that a lot of people would have missed that. Like I didn't know how No, but like you, you, it's not that you've missed it. That's yeah. not something that they come forward with, you know. With, it's not it's not going to be known otherwise. But like, yeah. you will you will get it in the book. Okay, if people want okay, first of all, if people want to give you a news story that they think you should follow up where can they find you how can they contact you on Twitter and News Chambers um, you'll have my email addresses published on my Twitter account as well so just get me anywhere on social media or on my email probably the best way of doing it and if they want to find the book what's it called and where can they buy it uh, it is called A State of Emergency it's available in all bookshops now uh, and I also have a link online as well where you can buy it it's class it. it's got a black cover and the country of Ireland is green but it's green with the little Covid symbol very, very clever cover. Anyway, Richard, thank you so much for coming in. Is there anything else you think people should know about being a news correspondent? Um, no, it's a difficult job at times. You get exhausted, you get frustrated. Um, is your mum so proud to see you on the telly all the time? She is, but like this is the thing as well. Is like that's that's for for so much of us. You know the way we've all been separated from families and stuff like that. that that's the only way she's seen you me see in me. many ways over the last last couple of years. So that's that's kind of weird, you yeah. know. So, um, but no, just as well, Stephanie, just well done to you for for doing the job of you know trying to sort of spell things out for people and trying to explain it because that is important that everybody did do that so I think it's important that we sort of you know And that's still ongoing I had someone yesterday who messaged me being like please don't hate me but I haven't been vaccinated because I'm so scared but now I think I need to be vaccinated but I'm still really scared and can you tell me and uh, you know just very glad that people feel like they can come to me and be like please don't judge me because I don't judge obviously it's very normal to be scared mm. But centre in the direction of getting information and why it's great to get vaccinated. Get vaccinated, guys. And if you don't, if you're scared to get vaccinated, go to your GP and say, hey, I think I should be vaccinated. But can we talk about my fears? And any good GP should point you in the right direction. Thank you so much, Richard. And thank you guys for listening uh, to another episode of Basically. We are part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, recorded at the podcast studios. Our producer is Alan Bennett. Our music is by Only Ruin. Our graphic design is by Kahlo Gara. And yeah, see you next week. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.